The ocean floor is a treasure trove of decaying plant and animal matter that's ripe for the picking for fish and invertebrates that are looking for tasty morsels. But in case you forgot, the ocean can be a terrifying and alien landscape full of awful oddities. A fish combing the sand for aquatic treats may instead find their doom shooting out of the ground at blinding speeds. In the blink of an eye, victims are wrenched below the sand, never to be seen again. But a quick and decisive strike may be what a disturbing ocean worm needs to avoid hunger in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I am Carlos. And today we're talking about a terror tube that makes the sarlacc that swallowed Boba Fett seem like a kiss on the cheek. But more on that later. Terror tube. I love it. Why am I the one coming up with nicknames when everyone else has all this creativity? <laughs> you know, it's because it's not been sapped from us. You've put in the, the hours already. Yeah, I feel like I'm, yeah, I'm, it's another thing that I'm getting worse at. That and um, geography measure up. It's like bowling. You get worse as, as the more you go. That's not true <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> That's true for, uh, well, I mean, yeah, of course it is. It's like pitching. It's like everything. Everything that's like a repetitive motion, you get less accurate over time. Well, then. Unless you rest. Then, yeah, I rest. What do you, I mean, I, what, like, not not for, like, two seconds. Oh, I thought you meant, like, oh, this guy's been doing it for 30 years. Oh, he must no, be no, the no, worst no. at it. <laughs> no, I mean, like, with over, like, a period of two hours. Yeah, yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> I was like, wow, then I should do bowling because I don't do it very often. I'll be better than all the pros. <laughs> Babies are the best bowlers. They are. They've never even heard of it. It's adorable and a little bit sad to watch. Anyway... We're talking about the Bobbit Worm, the Terror Tube. The that that's the name that inspires all that terror. Bobbit, such a happy well, yeah, name. Yeah, it does. For like Lorena Bobbit. Who's that? Oh, <laughs> so this this worm is supposedly named after Lorena Bobbit, who it's like a it's a real crime where uh, I'm gonna keep it PG by saying she her husband was not nice to her. And she attacked him in a way with a knife. Okay. He lived and everything's fine. But, yeah, it's a famous case. Okay, but, I was saying it was named after John Bobbitt, but he must be the husband. Do you know who's John Bobbitt? I, I, I don't know, but it the, the article was vague on his fate, but it seemed bad and it included his wife, so it sounds like the same story. Oh, yeah. For sure, but it's a happy. It sounds like a happy name for such an unhappy creature, Bobbit Worm. <laughs> so <laughs> we're we're gonna call it here. Um, the don't Bobbit this Bobbit. Um, the Alaskan bullworm's older cousin, who's also a bully, and uh, Eunice, because that's the genus. So I just want to call it Eunice for the rest of this. Speaking of Eunice, it's time. To- <laughs> Speaking of Eunice, <laughs> it's time to talk about its taxonomic. Taxonomy, that's that's right. Taxonomic taxonomy. Where does it where does it fall? How do we classify it? Uh, it's completely arbitrary. 
So let me tell you what arbitrary names they came up with it. Uh, the kingdom, you know it, you love it, you're in it. It's kingdom Anomalia. Don't hold your breath. It was, it was You knew what it was going to be. It's been <laughs> the same for 94 episodes, 95 episodes. So uh, it's not changing anytime soon. We're animal lovers, not plants. Plants are useless. Um, <laughs> the phylum is incorrect Anelida, which I, th- I think is all worms um, or just like worm-like invertebrates the class is polycata polychaeta poly- c-h-a-e-t-a I'll never know what a-e is I'll just go with whatever it is in Caesar so poly polycata Kaida. Kaida. Yep. the order is Unicida, Unicida. Uh, the family is Unicidae. You you, you got to work out every day, and if Unicidae, you got to work out twice. <laughs> okay. Uh, the genus is Unis, which is, explains the nickname. It's just it sounds like a nice um, name for a baby boomer. So I just, I just picture this this horrifying um, death worm knitting a nice sweater. <laughs> <laughs> Eunice. Um, the species is uh, Aphroditois. Aphroditois. Like Aphrodite? Yeah. And um, I have a theory for why it's called that, but I don't know for sure. Because Aphrodite is the Greek goddess of love. Um, Interesting. So, so since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for the best i'm not i'm not even gonna say it's the listener's favorite part yet because we haven't determined that but i'm gonna i'm gonna go and say it's the best uh part of the show the the, the best segment critter groups um where i carlos posted joe a question and the question is the same every time and that is what is the name for the collective noun for this animal uh or like what would a group of them be called? And since we're talking about worms, proper worms, um, Joe, what is the what is the collective noun for a group of worms? Is it A, a vice of worms? Is it B, a clue of worms? Is it C, a ball of worms? Or is it D, a tangle of worms? Okay. Run those by me again. A, vice. B, clue. C, ball. D, tangle. I'm going to go with tangle. I feel like that might be too, a little on the nose, but I'm going with it. Final answer? Uh, yes. Absolutely wrong. Cool. <laughs> uh, it's a clue. Clue of worms. Yeah. Crapshoot. Uh, and it's it's not even C-L-U-E. It's C-L-E-W. Yep, there's absolutely no rhyme or reason to the way these things are named. Uh, stop complaining. You, <laughs> you're just bad at it. It's okay. It's okay to be bad at something. It's impossible to be good at it. No, it's not impossible to be good at it. You just unless you memorize. You just have the, to have uh, already memorized all of the collective nouns. So get on that. Um, actually, don't because that'll make this game not as fun. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about where this thing lives. Um, it lives in the water. Surprisingly, it's a worm that lives underwater. And there's quite a few worms that live underwater, but when you think of a worm, you probably don't think of one that's at the bottom of the ocean. 
Um, Unless you're a marine biologist. Yeah, then you probably think of stuff at the bottom of the ocean every day. <laughs> but so uh, Eunice likes warmer waters specifically, and they are mostly found in Indonesia, Malaysia, and the Philippines, but really they can be found almost anywhere the water is warm, which is terrifying to think about for us living here in Florida, but I haven't, I didn't see anything about them living in the uh, Caribbean Sea or anything like that. Um, so now you know where it lives, but what does it look like? Why are we calling it the terror tube? Or the Alaskan bullworm's older cousin who's also a bully. Yeah, let's talk about what it looks like. It looks like the okay, worms from Tremors 4. Or uh-huh. the giant... Or Dune? Or the giant thresher maw from Mass Effect 3. Or the sandworms from Dune. It looks less like the sandworms from Dune. Those are like... like a. Those look like a, um, a worm with a cootie catcher at the front of their face. Uh, like th- uh, three triangles that open up for a, a mouth. Um, those are pretty crazy. But uh, you kind of mix all of these together, and y- you you've you kind of got a general idea of what uh, the bobbit worm looks like. It's mostly like a, a cross between a giant death worm and a rainbow. Um, and like you said, Same. like the sarlacc pit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so if if you still have no idea what we're talking about, if you haven't seen Tremors four or played mass effect 3 or know anything about dune or star wars then start with the biggest centipede you've ever seen bigger yeah that's right just blow it up it's huge uh (laughs) then shorten the legs so they're not actually legs but more like hideous spikes along the side of its body then add a legitimate sarlacc pit to the end you know the dune monster (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, they ate Boba Fett, and I wouldn't be surprised if these could eat a, a Mandalorian as well. Uh, so Eunice has... the. Let me describe its head for a second. Um, Eunice has two elongated jaws that sit open at 180 degrees from each other, basically just waiting to snap shut on some unfortunate thing. Um, in the middle of those jaws are five antennae that float around looking like nefarious tentacles. So... Yeah, giant jaws with tentacles floating around inside. You have a sarlacc. Its carapace is a hard exoskeleton that seems like a tannish brown at first, but under the right light, it has uh, a shiny rainbow metallic color, like it's covered in oil or Lucky Charms. Iridescence. Yeah, it's actually kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, Skittles may want you to taste the rainbow, but in the deep, the rainbow tastes you. <laughs> it's true they do so i hope i've paint painted a an accurate picture of this guy but i mean how 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 say it no no <laughs> no we're just gonna move on to fast facts how long is I, it i hold the power how here. big is it <laughs> let's let's talk about how big it is uh, welcome to Measure Up, the leading candidate for the best part of the show, a title to be officially determined by you on December 3rd on Twitter and Facebook. This is the part of the show when we relate the animal size and dimensions in terms you can understand <laughs> through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that is introduced by you when you send in an audio 
clip of yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. But we don't have any new intros this week, so that means I get to play an animal sound, and Carlos will guess what it is. I'm beginning to think that this that people are re- refusing to send in measure up so that we have to do this again. Because <laughs> uh, that last one without, was a killer, killer to my eardrums. Okay, I don't, I haven't heard this one yet, so we're gonna oh. hear it at the same time. Uh. Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. There it is. Am I allowed to just say <laughs> bird? Uh, you can just say bird. Hmm. You accept it readily. Maybe it's not a bird at all. Or like a lemur or something. I mean, it sounded like a parrot thing. It's probably a goat. <laughs> This could be my answer for everything. It's a goat. Um, Goats do make crazy sounds. It's a goat or a cat. It's either a goat or a bobcat. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with a cockatoo. Okay. Final answer. Final answer. Uh, Incorrect. That was an armadillo. What? Yeah. I didn't know they made sounds. That's an armadillo sound. They do make sounds. They also have leprosy. And it's like, yeah, they can carry leprosy. I picked. And now you know. I picked one up before I knew that. <laughs> yeah, I also touched one in the wild. Yeah, that's where. Yeah, I just found one and picked it up. They're they are not fast. They are not fast, and they are easy to catch. Uh, uh, so let's get into it. Let's talk about length. They can be anywhere between ten centimeters or four inches to two hundred and ninety centimeters, or nearly ten feet. Gross. Um, and that's like on the upper end, obviously, that that's not common. The the average is about three feet, so that's what we're gonna go with. Um so how many bobbit worms go into the height of the Taj Mahal? Are you just did you just pick something in Southeast Asia? Which is Yeah, I just picked something in the Indo It's not really even like, Southeast Asia. <laughs> well the 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 Bobbit worm is in the Indo Pacific Ocean. So I that, so is India. <laughs> India is in the ocean. It's, it, aren't we all technically? No, in I'm on land. Same. Um, here's a hint. It was commissioned by the Mughal Emperor Shah Jahan in 1632 to be the tomb of his favorite wife, Mumzat or Mumtaz Mahal. Uh, you, you're you're doing beautifully. Thank you. Um, it's not that big. It's all of a building. It's mostly just majestic. Um, it is Mahal of a building. <laughs> sh- sure, sure, yeah. I would say it's. I think a hundred feet is a pretty good estimate. About ten stories tall. So that 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 would mean that there's about thirty. Th- well, no, wait, no, no. Yes, yes, yeah. 33 of these terror worms go into the height of the Taj Mahal because it's 100 feet tall, I think. Final answer. The correct answer is 80 worms. The Taj Mahal is um, 240 feet. Ah. It looks not that tall in pictures. looks more wide than tall, but clearly I've been deceived. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Let's move on to uh, width. They... they... Tend to grow 
uh, longer without growing much thicker. Man, that sentence was hilarious. <laughs> I wrote, they dent to grow longer. <laughs> uh, you got a spell so check. They te- Your notes. I, it's not even red underlined. It's very strange. Uh, I, they tend to grow longer without growing much thicker. Um, even long specimens are only about an inch in diameter. Um, so with that inch of diameter, how many worm diameters go into the diameter of the world's largest hula hoop? And now let me be clear. I'm not talking about the diameter of the circle. I'm talking about the diameter of the tube. Okay. I, the world's largest hula hoop. I mean, does what defines a hula hoop? Do you have to be able to hula with it? Yes. Okay, okay. So here's a hint. The hoop was created and spun by Christian Batia and his 16-year-old son, uh, Shatij Batia, in India in March of this year. So this is a recent one. Interesting. I can't imagine it needs to be that much thicker just to increase the the, the circu- circumference of the circle. Yeah, the circle. I mean, I can. I'm. I'm picturing just a huge, a huge one. It's like fifteen feet, fifteen foot diameter, and just knocking people to the ground around him. This, this sounds like it could be one of those trick questions where, yeah, it's one inch. It's still an inch, just like every other hula hoop. But I'm gonna go with uh, two. I'm gonna say it is two inches thick. Wait. Oh my yeah, goodness! Two. Break. Huh? Breaking news! Uh, it was actually beaten in September on September twelfth. It's not actually breaking; it's a couple of months old. <laughs> but this was this was back in March, and then in September, a Las Vegas woman, a, a former circus performer, Getty Caho man, to to <laughs> to create a large hula hoop, you have to have a very hard to pronounce name. <laughs> But hers is uh, seventeen feet in, uh, seventeen feet and uh, a fourth of an inch in diameter, meaning across the whole thing. Okay, my guess is that it's the the tube is two inches thick. Okay. Oh, um, and that means two. <laughs> sorry, that means two worm two worm thicknesses go into hula hoop thicknesses. That's that was a sentence in English. So the correct answer is four worms because it is four inches. Uh, all right. That's that's a pretty thick hula hoop. It is a thick that's hula like hoop. That's like a pool noodle. If that one was 5.31 meters, measured 16 feet and 10 inches. But that was that was the loser that must be, that's been trumped yeah. by this uh, other person, the circus performer. Yes. Uh, father and son uh, endeavor just ruined few months later that's what you get for pursuing a uh, a world record you're just some someone's just gonna take your record and put it in the mud <laughs> uh all right that's all i got We're do done. you have any f- fast facts before we get into the major facts? i do so these fun boys are skilled hunters as we'll talk about later but sometimes the fish can turn the tables on it they may even prey on eunice by mobbing it and they do this by swimming into its den and blowing jets of water into its face to stun it and then eating it. I have to imagine 
that that is such a high risk situation. <laughs> well, because you're going into the kill zone. One of them is probably going down, but it's for the good of the school. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's a high tuition. <laughs> <laughs> there, but there's uh, um, apparently they get fish are dumb, so they get distracted easily, and then the worm has its fill. <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, fish are dumb. Yeah, but I I can't imagine that worms are less dumb. Yeah, especially since they have nothing but a ganglion for a brain. It just seems weird that they would blow water into its face and not, I don't know, ram it or something like that. It seems like it would do more damage, like at least six points of damage. But to ram it in its hole, you basically have to put your face in its mouth uh, yeah I, I didn't see a video of this or any more details so i don't know if they just if they if they swim you know a couple inches outside of the kill zone and just like blow water at its face really hard so that it it makes it all the way to the worm or they like get up into its face and just overwhelm it with water jets it's it only the lord knows <laughs> This is a this is a pretty understudied animal. It's it's reclusive. Um, it doesn't like light. Come and it tends to come out at. Uh, it can dive down about three hundred feet, so it can be down there at the bottom of the ocean, at least three hundred feet down. So sometimes it's hard to see them, and as if they're disturbed, they'll just bury under the sand and not come out for a long time. And you don't want to be trying to get it out of the sand with your bare hands. So, uh, yeah, that's why it's understudied. The last fast fact that I have is about mating. So rather than having the boy parts and girl parts like a lot of animals do, bobbit worms essentially pollinate each other, kind of like the tube worm. It's called broadcast spawning. So the females, when it's time to create new worms um, they release a pheromone into the water that causes the males to release their sperm and the females release their eggs and it kind of just goes up into the water and mixes and makes new worms but some biologists think that they swim up to the surface of the water the males do and kind of swarm in a frenzy to churn the water and get everything you know mix in a little bit better mm -hmm. so it sounds horrifying because these uh, sarlacc pit tremors worms are that are some of them are 10 feet long are swarming around in in this cloud in, in this mating cloud <laughs> and so it's uh yuckers so then now th think about that for a little bit while we talk about the major fact <laughs> okay yeah let's try to burn that out of our mental image and Talk about some other disturbing things. Um, uh, the bobbit worm is deaf, blind, and like I said, they only have a rudimentary ganglion nerve cluster for a brain. So, how does it catch prey? Uh, one can only assume through pure malice, uh, but also with a series of nasty little ticklers. Uh, <laughs> they bury their body in the sea floor, exposing only their gaping maws. They wait... Uh, jaws opened for a chance to strike. 
And then they have like four little, four or five little antennas that, like, twiddle around in the in the water. Um, they writhe around feeling for food. The slightest brush can trigger a strike. Um, even changes in the water movement, like a fish passing by, can be enough to trigger them to uh, try to bite or catch whatever it is. They are also able to detect light and dark, apparently. So a shadow that passes over them may also trigger a strike. Yeah, they have simple uh, eye holes. Eye spots. Which is the bare minimum when it comes to sight. Uh, but it's enough for them. It's like a tardigrade. Um, yeah. Uh, when they detect a meal, they burst out of the sand quickly and clench their two-pronged barbed mandibles around their victim. In total, it's mouth parts together, including the mandibles and the tentacles and the nastiness, are called a pharynx. Um, The victim, once caught, is injected with a toxin that stuns or kills it. Seems Uh, like overkill. Yeah, well, that's not all. The bobbit worm is powerful enough to pull uh, large fish into their burrows, even if they're much larger than the worm. And just videos of this are crazy. You see it grab something, pull it down to, like, the the ground, and then you see it just, like, the, the sand around it swells, and then just, like, in the blink of an eye, just goes, boop, and all of it is underground. It's, it's, it looks like a horror movie. It's, it's terrible. Yeah, um, it looks like the paranormal activity dragging out of a room or something like that. Yes. Um, the mandibles are also strong enough to cut prey clean in half sometimes. Um, which I, I have to imagine is not not a desirable thing because it would just like it, two pieces float off into the into the ocean. Yeah, now, now he has nothing. <laughs> but they they do collect remains um, and put them in. Uh, their burrows to be consumed at leisure. So, like, they can grab huge fish, just yank them down and keep them in their burrows and eat them over time. Yeah, it seems better to be cut in half because then it's overkly for you. That, mm, not necessarily. Or do they keep living on with half a body? I don't know how long it takes for a fish to die. I don't know them to bleed out quickly. I'm not really, under, I don't really understand fish physiology in that way. Me neither. Fishiology. Fissy. Anatomy and fishiology. <laughs> Anemone and fishiology. Oh, goodness gracious. That's our new class. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's perfect. We should totally have like a, a long segment of underwater things and we'll call it anatomy and fishiology. <laughs> For, yeah, I'm down. All righty. That's all I got. Or... Southeast Asian fishery. <laughs> My fishery teacher. My fishery teacher. Oh. oh, everybody knows about this horrible, horrible worm. Do you think this is worse or the tarantula hawk? It's I hard would to say. I think I'd rather encounter the tarantula hawk. If it like, I'd rather be attacked by the tarantula hawk. You mean as a human being? Yeah, as a human. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, it's excruciating, mind-numbing pain 
Um, but then it's over. This one is going to take off your hand, and he's ten feet long sometimes. So yeah, but we he, have an he issue. probably can't. He doesn't have long enough mandibles to take off your hand. Maybe a finger though. Yeah, that's worse than being stung for a little bit. Yeah, but I I feel like it's just less likely for me to be in, encountering a a bobbit worm. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Unless you go snorkeling and just drag your hand along the the ocean floor in Southeast Asia. Which I have been known to do, so. Yeah, you got to stop doing that, man. <laughs> it's just going to get you in trouble. <laughs> we're we're going to start an intervention just for your hand, Southeast Asian seafloor hand-dragging uh, addiction situation. <laughs> uh, sounds good. <laughs> anyway, for you out there in Podcastia. Bear intervention. <laughs> a what? A intervention. <laughs> that sounds like a an eating disorder intervention. What do you mean? A intervention. No, I said a intervention. Oh, like a, a fish fin. Oh, a fin with an F. I thought you were talking about T H I N. I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. Sounds rude. <laughs> but for you out there in Podcastia, bury yourself in the sand. Wait for the right opportunity. And slice that fish in half. Like the nightmare worm. I mean, the bobbit worm here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners. It's election time. The time of the year where you get to let your voice be heard through the power of voting. You get a say on the issues that really matter. Like the part of your most beloved animal podcast that's considered the listener's favorite part of the show. On December 3rd, polls will open on Facebook and Twitter, where you can find us under the name LD Taxonomy. Vote for Measure Up, or Critter Groups, and if you want, leave us a comment explaining your choice. Thanks for listening and engaging in the democratic process. podcast <laughs> good wormy